All right, welcome to August. It is August 4th, 2020. Who knew that we would still be doing the virtual cafe? I thought by now we would be in a few cafes. But I have you from coast to coast, and I think maybe even one person from outside the United States. Welcome to this episode of the Virtual Cafe. My name is Diane Darling. And today we're gonna to be talking about how to present yourself online. I actually did this in the very beginning of the COVID crisis, if you will. And I think back then we kind of thought this might be a few weeks and now it has become a lifestyle for us. That we are online, we are presenting ourselves online. Um, I have learned some different tips such as like right now I'm looking at the camera, which is frustrating because all of you are down here. <laughs> but I wanna have you feel like I'm looking at you. So my guest today is Brian, and I'll, you'll have to tell me the pronunciation again, Krogh? Krogh, that's it. Krogh, all right. So my guest today is Brian, and Brian and I were introduced when I was a guest speaker at his uh, communications course at Boston University. He is, among other things, a minister, and so he is also doing some online coaching these days. So Brian, let's talk about what are some of the challenges, uh, other than the obvious, of presenting online. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me here today, Diane. It's great to be with everyone uh, and talking through an important topic because I feel the same exact way that you do, Diane. I thought by now we would be back in person and I have to be honest, I prefer being in person. And so I read online, uh, everyone is so excited uh, to be virtual and all the things we're going to gain from being virtual. And I agree with that to an extent, but here's the way I, I say it. I love working from home. I love the flexibility. I, I enjoy the extra time I've spent with my three children over these last couple of months. I enjoy all of that. But I have to be honest, for me, presenting virtually is, is a challenge. And I'd be curious to hear how other people feel about that because I've, uh, learned, <coughs> I've learned that not everyone agrees. You don't want it to go stale. You don't know the chat or somewhere like people that. are gonna feel that. Brian, no, hang on one second. If you are, yeah, if you, can you please mute yourself? Vital to them or Steve not. Steve Dubin, can you please so. mute yourself? Jessica, can you help out so we can get that? Thank you. All right, Brian, so let's talk about the challenges. So you, it's great to have some flexibility being home with your kids, although I hear from some people they're ready to go back to the office. That's a challenge too. Yeah, yeah. in its own way. Um, but then let's, let's talk about some of the upsides you're seeing about being online. Yeah. Well, I think so. And, and we just we just kind of had an example, right? There's challenges when you come into the virtual space that don't normally happen in a conference room and they, they come into the virtual space. So for me, presenting virtually is a challenge. And I, I think through many times all the things that, that we have lost. And we could go through all those if we want to in a moment. But I hear one of the things you're talking about uh, is what have we gained? What are, what are we gaining in this moment? And I think there's a couple of things that we, that we have gained. One important thing that we've gained is the opportunity to engage one another uh, like, like never before, like we can't when we're in a conference room. Uh, and I'll give, you, I'll give you an example that just happened, Diane, if it's okay. Uh, when you came and spoke at my class at BU, you told what I thought was an amazing story of your start in speaking as a, as a networking expert. And a reporter from the Wall Street Journal heard you and wrote an article that really catapulted your career. And just before we started recording here, because of our ability to gather in a virtual setting, 
you introduced and we all got to meet that, that reporter. We got to meet Joanne and you, I got to see the person behind that story. Now that wouldn't have happened if we were in a conference room. That would not have happened in a normal situation. So we are gaining certain things. The biggest thing I think we gain are, are new ways to engage one another that don't necessarily exist in the traditional meeting room or conference room uh, or conference center where we, where we gather. So I, 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 what I find that I miss about being in person is um, the energy, you know, and I, and I miss, you know, I, I, I miss the, the questions, you know, the interaction. I also miss being able to read someone's face, you know, when I can see that I, there's an aha moment where I've said something um, that, has, that has resonated with them. I remember I was, I spoke at um, University of Michigan, the business school, and I had, there was a young lady there who really just didn't like the whole notion of networking and any of that sort of stuff. She thought it was kind of sleazy. And I said, you know, who knows Mary, whatever her name was. And I said, who here can talk, tell me about her? And all these people came gushing out with these stories about Mary. She was easy to work with on teams. She um, jumped right in. She contacted her network to solve a problem. And so I looked at her and I said, Mary, you can solve those problems for my business, but you don't want to tell me you can solve those problems for your business, you know? And so I finished and Mary came as one of those, you know, kind of stadium type old fashioned business classrooms. And she came, stop, stop, stop. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen now? And she had a little bit of a well in her eye and she goes, I can't wait to tell my mom about you. You know, those are those moments I miss in person. Right. But what are some things that we gain in person? We have Joanne here. I would say that, you know, a few hours ago, I, I was exercising, you know, I was able to come home and grab a shower. And then I was doing, you know, I, I'll, I worked a little bit later last night because I knew I had this, you know, we, we do have that flexibility. What are some other things that we gain? Yeah, so I, I would say the biggest thing that we gain is the ability to engage other people in new ways. And I think that we could take advantage of lower commute times and, and those other things, the ability to, to frame our, our shot uh, so that, that we can really present ourselves well in front of other people. And I don't wanna spend a ton of time today on lighting and, and all of those things, because I think those things have been, there's plenty of good resources out there. But one of the things that we have an opportunity to do and we need to do even more is engage people. And to your point, Diane, we lose a lot. We lose real eye contact. You said it earlier. I'm not looking at anyone's face, unfortunately. I'd much rather be looking at your faces, but right now I'm looking into a camera at the top of my screen. I can't see anything that's happening from uh, people's shoulders down. And so I don't know, I can't read all that body language that I normally read. And I can't, there's two pages of screens here, maybe even now three pages of screens. So I, I don't even have the ability to, to figure out a way to, to look at everybody and read everybody and try to come up with an impromptu moment like you've just mentioned. But there are ways I can engage people that I, I don't normally do in a conference room. And so, you know, like I see that Karen just put in the chat, how do you engage your audience when presenting online? And so she has an ability in the middle of me talking to ask me a question where if we were sitting in a meeting room and I was giving a lecture, that ability might not be present. And, and so I would encourage anytime you present online to come up with, with easy, low risk ways to engage everybody in the room. Here's how I've done it recently. When I go and present online how to do public speaking, 
the first thing I do is I ask everybody who's in the room and sometimes it's 10 and sometimes it's 50 to throw in the chat. How excited are you one to 10 and we could, let's do it right now. How excited are you one to 10, one being you hate it and 10 being you absolutely love it. When someone asks you to give a presentation, just throw it in the chat for us. How excited are you? between what Ari is a 10, Whitney is a nine, Ellen can't even come up with a number. And so there's a lot of presenters in our, in our group, which is great. And so you can see very quickly, there, there are low hanging fruit ways to engage everybody. Susan is a one, minus 10, Christy. There's a way to kind of gauge the room and, and, and meet everybody very quickly in ways that we may not have. It would take a long time to go around the room and say, everyone tell us your name and one to 10, but here we can do it very, very quickly. And so finding that low hanging fruit to engage people is important. Here's one other uh, tip that I'll give and then, and then I'll let you ask another question, Diane. We can dig deeper into this. Find ways to be intentionally um, engaging. Meaning I would say, don't just find the low hanging fruit, but my friend uh, used to host a radio talk show, sports radio talk show in Atlanta. And his producer, when he was running the talk radio show, if they weren't getting calls, and he had a lot of listeners, if they weren't getting calls, the producer would get into his ear and say, Joe, say something controversial. Just say it. Say something. I don't care if you believe it. Just say it so that people will respond. And I'm not saying you should say mean things or, or untrue things to get people to respond. That's not what I'm saying. But is, I would ask myself, is there a way I can say this in a way that I know will poke and prod people a little bit so that instead of checking their email, they'll engage in the chat and, and they'll engage in what I'm saying. And I think we have to do that more virtually than we might do it when we're in person just because we're losing that dynamic of being in the same room. So how do I keep their intention? So those two things, the low hanging fruit, and, and how do I word things so that it might, it might ruffle enough feathers that people pay attention? I was working with a company recently. I was coaching them on, um, you know, virtual presentations and the COO. Um, I mean, today it's a different thing because you all don't work for me. But, you know, the COO was like, I don't want to see pictures. I don't want to see names. I want to see your face, you know. And so we're doing it. We're doing another round of this on Thursday. And because he's on vacation, and he's asked me while he's away on vacation to because some cases they're calling from their phones and so you have different technologies. So one thing that's been interesting, I would say to people is practice this, practice this. Find, you know, a couple of old cousins that you haven't seen in a while or practice it with people you see all the time and it's not a big deal if you make a mistake, you know, sort of a thing. Um, you know, some of the virtual backgrounds work better than others. I've been playing around a little bit with it, but sometimes I just try and, you know, not have so much of the virtual background because I think it, you know, unless you are more sophisticated, it doesn't necessarily, you know, work for you. When right. people, Brian, when people are presenting technical information, you know, how do you, is there a, is there any guidelines you can have, for, you know, we've got some lawyers here, we've got some people in accounting here, we've got you know, some people in pharmaceuticals and medical devices, how can they present technical information? You know, um, what are some good ways to do that? We have a law dean here, you know, how can she engage with students? I don't know if they're coming to campus this fall or not, but I know a lot of schools now are probably not for the fall. How can you do technical information? Any insights on that? 
Well, I think when it comes to technical information, who the audience is uh, makes a huge difference and a huge impact. So am I speaking to other experts in my field or am I speaking to people who are non-experts in my field makes a big difference. And so I don't know if you want to get into all of that, Diane, or if you want to stay yeah. in this virtual in this virtual world, but the fight for clarity is, re is real in presenting. The fight for clarity is, is real and it is so difficult to be clear and transmit my idea to another person. And the gap that exists, this is the way I say it. I say I spend my life trying to answer this question. How in a world where everyone is talking and no one seems to have time to listen, can I be compelling? That's, I spend my life answering that question. We live in a world where everyone has the ability to talk and no one seems to have the time to listen. So how can I be compelling? And the way I picture it is that there are two cliffs and there's this vast chasm between myself and the person I'm trying to reach. And it's my job as the speaker to bridge that gap. It is my job to find a way to go from where I'm at over to the people I'm trying to speak with. And so my, my, if I had to boil this down to one piece of advice is to recognize that when we go virtual, the chasm gets wider, it gets longer, it gets bigger. And so now it's even harder for me to engage people. So if I'm going to go deeply technical in information, I need to be sure that I have two or maybe three at the most clear points or objectives that I'm stressing before I get into the technical information. Because if I only talk about the technical information, people will remember nothing. It's like opening up a fire hose and just spraying it all at people. Here's the graph and here's the data and here's the research and here's everything. But rather than, than, when I say it this way, when you fire hose people, you extinguish retention. Uh, everyone knows what it's like. You, you read a BuzzFeed list online and it's the 45 things from the 90s. You read 45 things, you remember zero. But if you can give one or two main points and let the technical data support those points, people will walk away at least remembering one of your main points. And so that chasm exists in person it's even wider in, in the virtual space. So clarity of this is exactly what I'm trying to say to you in this moment is key, key. It, it, I think that's terrific. And I think it is important I, that I think that clear, how you set something up. So I taught storytelling last week to um, about 50 high school students from around the world. And they were supposed to be at MIT um, in this very competitive program. I taught them last year. It was just terrific. And we had, it was eight o'clock in the morning East Coast time. And they had, you know, California, which meant it was five in the morning for them. They had Europe, which meant later in the day. They had China, they had Brazil. It was amazing to look at this screen. And the whole idea of the storytelling was teaching them how to introduce themselves in a compelling way that when they were moving forward with their entrepreneur project that they wanted to do, and a lot of them were creating actual products and services, products that needed to be molded and designed and, you know, the cost of goods sold. In other cases, it was services that they were, they were trying to organize. But it was interesting because what I started out with was, you know, the importance of the story, the similar that we did when, you know, how did I get started? How did you get started? And that's a question we all want to be able to answer. 
And so that might be when we go into the breakout sessions, folks, you can maybe talk about your startup story and what that was about. But then I reflected on Steve Jobs' commencement address at, at Stanford, where he told three stories. And I can still remember the three stories. One was about being adopted. The second one was about being fired. And the third one was when he got diagnosed with cancer. <clears throat> and each of them had a sub story behind, I mean, a, a second story. You could tell there were deeper stories, particularly the adoption one, which was very a very compelling one to, to read about. But when we then transition that into, you know, how are you then going to, you know, do your, your uh, elevator pitch, the importance of practice was something that I really emphasized because I think all of us think we're brilliant in our heads, and we are. But I also think sometimes the brilliant in our head doesn't always exit our mouth with the same way. Can you talk about how you practice? And I learned this when I took stand-up comedy and acting classes in order to get over my fear of speaking. Some of you know the story that for many years I did all my presentations in red turtlenecks because my neck would, neck would break out in red blotches. And so if I had a red turtleneck on, it just kind of all glowed was the idea behind that. Um, because somebody stopped me at one of my first talks because I had really didn't plan on being a speaker. Can you talk about practice and preparation? Because I do feel it, it is a different game. And it's, I, I gave a keynote in April. We were supposed to be in person. We converted that to being online. The stress of doing that in this corner, I, my, my living room looked like it was NBC News. It was just wires everywhere. They shipped me all kinds of stuff. How can we best prepare for something that's really important? Right. Well, I think there's two pieces to that. One is the virtual piece and one is the, is one of the, is the presentation piece itself. For the virtual side, I would encourage you to treat every single online conversation you're having like you would your business online conversations. Why not when you're getting together with your family for a birthday celebration on Zoom, practice some of the tools that, are, that you have available to you. Uh, why not say, hey, I'm getting ready for a business presentation. Can I ask you a question and everyone write in the chat and I'm gonna try to, to talk for a little bit and read your questions and respond to them. Uh, why not uh, ask everyone to raise their hand uh, when, when you're together with your friends or family on these platforms and see how those sorts of tools work. So I would encourage you to take every opportunity that you're on these virtual platforms. If you're interviewing right now, you're probably going to have to do an online presentation or for your job, you're probably going to have to do an online presentation. Try out some of those tools, create a funny poll for your family and throw up the poll and, and, uh, and, and let people respond. I, when I, early on, when we were doing zoom, I was on a conversation with a bunch of friends and we all happened to like the same TV show. And I said to them, I'm going to put up a poll around our, our, this TV show I know we all watch. I want you all to respond. And my only reason I did it is because I had never done a poll before on Zoom. And I just wanted to see how it worked. So take advantage of those opportunities. Why not use that time to figure out the, the tricks so that when you get into this sort of environment, uh, you, are, you are ready to go. My analogy on this is, a, uh, you know, you don't learn to drive a stick shift on a Maserati or a BMW. So, you know, find some people who are your, you know, old Datsun or your old beat up something or other and practice on them. So when you are in front of, you know, you're in that interview or you're doing that, what's a good opening? And we did a little bit of water cooler time here when people were coming in. Do you have any tips on kind of, you know, opening up something and making people feel welcome and engaged? 
I think, this is my personal opinion on this, I think that that time is so important right now. Uh, one, one person said to me, you know what I miss the most? I miss the feedback before and after a presentation. That is what I miss the most. So I miss standing up in front of a conference room, having my colleagues, or if I'm in a different situation, walk into the room, saying hello, shaking their hand, uh, and introducing myself, and having them walk in and say, oh, I'm so glad it's you, Diane, today, or I'm, I'm so glad that we're here. And then afterwards, that time where people that need to leave, they rush off to their next meeting, but other people stay around and say, oh, that was a great talk, or have you thought about this, or would you redo that slide? All of that is, or not all of it, but many of, much of that is, is gone in the moment. And so recognizing that as a presenter, I think is so important. And you did a great job today, Diane. You marked the moment. You allowed us our time to, to meet one another, have some casual conversation, be welcomed into this cafe time, but then you marked the moment and said, okay, now we're going with the presentation. And when it's my turn to present, I think that that could be very valuable uh, with, my, with my team, that I could welcome my team in and just recognize we're all craving human interaction right now. So let's do that for a couple of minutes and now let's mark the moment. It's time for us to start. So I'm gonna start the presentation now. And I think that that, that is important. Both times are important. I, to be truthful with you, the way, the way I learned that when I was getting these edited and the video editor said to me, you need to have an intro part and you need to have an exit part, you know, because there's a lot you just, you, know, you needed a bookend it. And that was really kind of some helpful stuff on that. I put in the chat, I welcome your questions. Please be sure that we do have some time for your questions along those lines. Anything else that you, I'm gonna just share a couple of quick technical things for people. I've been talking about this. I don't think George Clooney looks good from the chin up. It's, I mean, he might, I don't know. I've never seen George Clooney from that angle. But you know, I really, I, I keep, the way I, the way I elevate my um, computer, I've shared this with you guys before. I have yoga bricks and the yoga brick goes under the computer to make it a little bit higher. So, you know, it just is more of an eye level sort of a thing. I just got this little handy dandy light that sits over here to give me a little bit more balance and light. I just got that from Amazon yesterday, actually, because my window is there and I have this just dark shadow. Um, I think it's important for you to, again, have some practice. I've learned to not wear color, you know, clothes that have a lot of print on them. It's just a distraction. So you might want to just think about some different ways. Some virtual backgrounds work better than others, but you want to just kind of play around with that a little bit. So anybody have questions? We want to see, be sure that you've got some different thoughts. Somebody said they do um, nature walks and show specimens on Zoom. Can you, show, can you suggest a better way to show these items other than, you know, put the, I guess the bug, you know, in front of the computer. Any thoughts on that, Brian? Yes, I saw that question. And, and when you do, I guess my, my question, my only question would be, could you take a high resolution photo of, of the specimen that you're trying to show ahead of the time, uh, get a real good high quality image of that, put that on a PowerPoint slide and share it that way through uh, by sharing your screen would be my, the only way I could come up with doing that differently than holding the specimen in, up in front of the camera. And the quality of that image would probably be, would probably be better um, than holding that up. The other questions that I've seen come through the chat a little bit have to do around, um, uh, have to do around 
interviewing and the fact that when I'm an interviewee, I come into that presentation and the person might say, hey, let's jump right in. And so you lose the ability to build rapport. Uh, and then also uh, you're, you're very limited on your time. And I would say quickly, one is, is practice for those 15 minutes to our point earlier, make sure you can do it in 15 minutes. Two, make sure you know the one to two key ideas that you wanna to try to get across in those 15 minutes because the more ideas you try to get across, the less people are gonna remember you. So figure out the top two ideas you wanna get out across and only talk about those two ideas. And then the third time is if you're losing the ability to build rapport with someone in front of you, how can you build that into your talk? Well, you could demonstrate in a couple minutes that you've learned about the company, you've learned about the people who are interviewing you online, on LinkedIn, uh, you've talked to other people in the company and learned about the company, and you can talk about yourself and have a very short conversation, a, a short story that might introduce yourself to those people uh, within that 15 minute time frame. Someone asked me, uh, or it looks like maybe two people are wondering, how am I achieving a wonderful dark background and flattering lighting on my face, which thank you very much for that, <laughs> that flattering lighting, I guess. I'll, I'll tell you, I bought for $20 off Amazon uh, the same sort of drape that you would have between trade show booths at a trade show conference. And it's just one panel. It cost about $18 and I tacked it up uh, above a countertop here. Uh, and so it just, you can see it's not very big. And so I positioned my camera. My, uh, my lighting right now is, one of the keys is you don't want top-down lighting. You really don't want top-down lighting. So I'm in a conference room right now. And I don't know if I can show this. I turned off the overhead lights. And so the lighting is coming from my screen and it's also coming from, I'll show you this quickly if I can. It's also coming from a TV screen that I have here that is showing my PowerPoint slides and notes so that I can respond to some of your question. And I agree with you, Ari, if I could put floor, if I had LED floor lightings to wash the background behind me, that would be, that would be uh, next level to separate my, my face from the background. But that's how I, I get this look. Um, I, I don't have a bookcase that looks as nice as yours, Diane, to put behind me. So I, I compromise with the black background. Well, I've gone back and forth. Sometimes I've done, you know, uh, a fake background. I have a green screen. I tried, I put, I tried to put a green screen and I just, you know, tacking it against the wall at home was just a little bit more than I was ready to, to get into. But um, I think it is important. I do like the, you know, the black part about it. You know, I think it's important on how we do present ourselves. It's been interesting to read the articles about, you know, your, how you're learning about people from the books in their bookshelves you know, and you're seeing all these reporters now and you can see what reporters reading what there's been kind of an interesting, you know, conversation about that. And that's one of the things I've actually suggested to people is you need to be really aware of what's behind you. Because um, it, this really hit me when a couple of weeks ago, I was watching my I have an eight year old daughter. And she loves America's Got Talent. It is her favorite show. And she dreams. Um, she dreams of being on that stage one day. And so uh, she was watching it the, a couple of weeks ago and the, all the judges were from their, from their homes and two of them were in their offices with their bookshelves behind them. And I actually, I actually made my daughter, she was very unhappy with me. I made my daughter pause the TV show 
in the middle of it so that I could see what books Terry Crews and Howie Mandel were reading uh, because they were the two that were in their offices. And I thought, what a distraction from the point of the show because I didn't, I didn't really, I shouldn't say I didn't care, but I, didn't, I wasn't too interested in the show, but I was really interested in what they were reading. And so everything we put behind us, it causes people to think uh, and respond. And, and to Leslie's point in the chat, which I understand, not everything we do is going to be, is gonna work for everybody. So you have to figure out what works best for you. Well, and so we have to do a quick shout out to Leslie. She was my speaker a couple of weeks ago and she's a designer. So okay. she, she, she was helping us think through about how to design home offices and whatnot. And I do think there's a lot and it, you also, it's not necessarily just one, one fits all. You know, there may be a time if you were doing a memorial service as a minister online, you would want to have a different background than if sure. you were teaching kids or something like that. And so I think, and that's why there's sets on TV and that's why there's green screens and the weather people can do their dance and all that sort of stuff. So I do think it is important to, you know, have that variety. Brian, thank you so much for all of your different feedback and your insights on this. We're going to convert now, or if you will, transition now to the um, other aspect of this part about it. And I will say, I do kind of want to try out that black background, although with dark hair, I'm not quite sure if I'll look completely bald. Who knows? But we're going to tr convert now or tr transition now to um, the, uh, the, the speed networking, if you will. Jessica is now going to drive us and she's going to split us into some small groups. You'll have a chance to say hi to a few people and do some networking. And Brian, again, thank you so much for your time. Please stick around if you're game and meet a few right. different people. Right. Thank you. Round of applause for Brian, even though you can't hear it or see it. <laughs> we sh that's what we should start doing. And I can see it. Thank in the you. Deaf community, they do this. It's cool. <laughs> All right, Jessica, take it away. Hi. <laughs> what fun is this? Uh, <laughs> what fun is this? Whitney, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Diane? I'm fine. It's so nice to see you. And Steve Dill, it's so great to see you. Judy, I hope you can... I got Diane in my breakout room. Oh my gosh. I know, right? How'd that work out, right? And Brian. And Brian. You got both. And I know. Man, I don't know. Heavy hitters here with Whitney. Oh, Living right. We're living right, Steve. <laughs> no pressure, though. <laughs> no pressure. So, Brian, you can meet some of my favorite people. Um, Steve, Steve and I have known each other, gosh, I forget how many years and how many jobs and all that. A dozen, maybe 20, who knows? It's yeah, way back. Exactly. And then Whitney and I met in the funniest way. I was a speaker at Junior League, and we met, I think, at the baggage carousel, if I remember correctly, in St. Louis when we were both on the way to this uh, conference. And uh, Whitney is the executive director for a uh, bar association in North Carolina. Yep, that's right. Okay. I have a funnier story than that. So Diane remembers it that that's when we met and I got her to speak at the National Association of Bar Executives. What she doesn't remember is that I went specifically with the idea of talking to, to Diane so she would speak. <laughs> She's like, wasn't that by chance? And I was like, that was not by chance. Hunted <laughs> that was her by down design. with me? It sounds like you hunted her down. Well, yeah, I, I did. I did. Worked out. <laughs> Looks so so Whitney, innocent. what's happening in the legal world? My gosh, is this just an upended time or what? 
Well, for, I would say for part of the legal profession, it is a crazy time because of the courts being shut down and everything. And then for those who are not, you know, court-based, who are a little bit more, you know, paper-based, they're just zooming along. <laughs> they're doing a lot of things. I mean. Except the one weirdness that I can add, because I've got a good friend who's a lawyer, who's a real estate lawyer for, uh, for towns here in Massachusetts, and she's alone. And oh my God, it's driving her crazy. And she's, yeah. she's a single woman. She's not married. She's got a dog, but oh my God, she's, just, <laughs> you know, she's desperate for you know somebody. To, yeah, Diane, desperate for you know talks in the in the uh, in the break room or right. seeing somebody in the hallway. It's, yeah, it's tough. Steve, it's, I'll, I, I, all joking aside, it has. I've been more like almost not almost clinically depressed. I have had. This yeah. has been one of the most. Difficult. I've called Brian a couple of times. I mean, I just, in his ministerial, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, and I, I say this all the time, contact your friends who are single. I mean, and they're like, oh, I'm, and people always think I have a big network. I'm like, I don't have a big network that supports me. I have a big network who calls and asks favors. Right. 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 I do not have a big network. And this has been a very, my parents are past. I don't yeah. have any, you know, really. One, one, one sister, I don't even know where she is. The other sister's just kind of off on her own, married well and got money and doesn't need well, me. So. And, and also, there is such an overlay of fear on just randomly going out and meeting with somebody for a coffee or something, just right. leaving the house, period, right? But, but if right. you can get over that hurdle, then, you know, am I doing the right thing by going out to meet a friend who I haven't seen in months, for years, whatever, a single friend who really needs some help? You know, all those kinds. It, there's, it's so complicated. That it really is. I I feel for you. It's uh, on the other hand, I can't get away from my wife. Oh my God! This, <laughs> when her when her preschool opened again, like oh, that's too bad. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, and this is was something that we talked about with Leslie when we were doing the design conversation, which was that you know, and I went and said, I mean, she has wealthy clients, and they were putting in home offices. They were adding to their kitchens they were moving to new new homes they were putting in pools because they had the financial resources to do that because because they needed some space i mean i it right. just i was dog sitting stephen wabin a very well-to-do neighborhood and you know it's a beautiful and this family has it in that husband has an office the wife has an office and each of the kids have bedrooms with separate spaces and they're still going out of their mind right yeah, yeah. judy can you hear us i'm i see your name Yes, I can. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. So tell it. It's been a while. Fill fill everybody in on how you know me and and who are I'm you? Sure. Um, and of course, I um, completely defeated the purpose of this by not having video. But uh, I've got some good tips that I will use uh, for the next uh, next cafe. But um, I work with Citizens Bank and have known Diane for several years now. She was highly rec I was managing a, a credit training program for the commercial bank um, and she came highly recommended to me as a speaker. So we brought her in um, and she led a very engaging session for our um, young trainees. And uh, then unfortunately um, she did some other work for the bank after that and have uh, really um, had a lot of um, great uh, great um, interactions with her and, and added a lot of value to the bank, I think, as well, so. Well, it's it's nice to see your name, at least if we can't see you. And are, are you working from home, Judy? 
I am working from home. I have been for several months now, um, and I um, work in downtown Boston. Um, I live in Somerville, and I'm now working from my summer office in um, New Hampshire, as I call it. So that's been kind of nice to be able to do that. So, Boy, those of you who have second homes, I am so jealous. <laughs> if, you have a, if you have a second bedroom in your second home, I'm your girl. <laughs> oh. Well, it's my uh, my family residence, so um, it, but it is uh, it's nice to get here and spend some time and see some of my family as well. Um, because I other also live alone. Um, I am uh, you know introverted and um, sometimes say I'm made for social distancing, but uh, but I do miss the interaction that um, it, that we had daily in the office. I do miss that for sure. Right. I think, you know, it's uh, people often say, oh, you can't be introverted, but I test I'm on the gentle side of the introvert. I'm not on the extreme side and, you know, <laughs> but I'm very friendly and people confuse friendly with right. introvert all the time, all the right. time. And it's also a learned pattern, right? You've learned how to not succumb to your urge to, to step back, to not put your hand out, right? Which is a definitely, it's a learned response driven, you know, largely by each individual person, economics, <laughs> um, uh, you know, just a desire to uh, change or the people that they select to be around, you know, all those things. But you, yeah, you've, you don't strike me as an introvert at all. You are not the bubbling, you know, uncontrollable extrovert that <laughs> I occasionally can be blamed for big guy. <laughs> But, uh, but you've, got a, you've got a really good sort of centrist con control over you as an element within a room, which is, a, a, you know, a gift. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, Steve, how's, how's being back in Boston versus Missouri working for you? Yeah, so I, I do uh, contract work, one-year con uh, contracts. We've got a minute left, just so everybody knows, so we don't want to have you cut up. So colleges, and, uh, and I had a one-year contract out in Missouri, and Diane was a great, like, what are you doing out there? Uh, and are you sure? Have you thought about this? Uh, too late. I was, already, <laughs> I was already committed. Uh, but anyway, I came back in February of 19. I did a little bit of work around in uh, two different startups, and then I started in August of 19 at Mass Bay Community College. Just finished that on Friday. So now hopefully I've got the month of August off, but a couple of leads are coming up. So, um, so yeah, so it's loving it. I'm loving it, but it's mostly colleges and which I'm also enjoying. That's great. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, so, welcome back. And Steve, definitely introduce me to your friend. I would, I would welcome it and I would think she would too. Absolutely. Absolutely will. She's, she's up in Cambridge. Oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 Good. And Whitney, you didn't get the uh, storm? Uh, we did. It blew through last night. We fared pretty well. But you saw it. Good. Yeah. Yep. We're, we're getting wind, but not much else tonight, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They sent a note out to our building that, you know, close your windows and whatnot. So I have no idea what's going to be happening in downtown Boston. But Right. Well, thank you, Diane, for doing, doing this. Yeah, that's Brian, great. Thank for you. Being, being with us. And, Brian, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was a great presentation. And, and this is my first breakout room experience. <laughs> and that's also part of the reason why I decided to do these is people could experience what it was right. like to be in these. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. Why are we all muted? Are we in a new room or what are we doing? We're all back together. We're back in the new room. <laughs> We're back. Diane, Diane, you're still muted, but we're back in the big room from our breakout rooms. 
all together now, all together. Those breakout sessions go so fast. They do. Isn't it interesting? You know, if when we in, I would welcome any feedback on how long you think they should be or how short they should be because I go back and forth. Leslie, you're a little muted. bit longer. Longer. A little bit longer. Yeah. Okay. Longer. Longer. Oh, okay. Longer. Yeah, definitely. I think. Part of it is how many people are in a breakout? Yes. This time I think we had five. Yeah, and we were four actually, and it was just barely long enough. Okay. Yeah, same enough. here. Yeah, agree. Oh, good. Thank you for that feedback. Yeah, it's always curious to, to know. But, yeah. um, and my, I have a question. Sure. Um, for, is there emails or, or some way to connect to after we do breakout rooms, kind of introduce ourselves? Is there a way to? Kind of follow up with or is that privacy i don't know I it's just a privacy that. thing what i will share with you is is that you know if you want to email me i will forward and say can you forward this to over to somebody i'm more than happy okay. to do that i have not been giving out the lists you know anymore. you don't yes. get events anymore it, yes you know yes. lists you know unfortunately just some people behave better than others yeah exactly <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's a good plan though because then that way they can receive it if they want they can receive yeah. it and i'm more than happy to share that yeah okay and very good Thank i you. have a suggestion too that may you know how when you go to an event diane always taught us that you take your uh, business card out of one pocket and you put the other one you receive in the other pocket you have to have two pockets but it strikes me that zoom doesn't have a uh like a way to put a a, a business card that you could just because you can put your email into the chat, but then it doesn't get saved. Like it would be interesting to, so if you are willing to share your contact information. You so when you save the chat, if you look at the chat window and there's three little dots, you select that and it says save chat. So at the end of the meeting, you save chat, saves it as a text file on your PC, and then you can look at it later, which is great for all the people who put in their LinkedIn or their email addresses or whatever. Oh, good. Yeah. So if you click, you, know, you never know how to should save that chat. Thanks. Yeah. So if you, yeah, if you click, if you click on the little chat button, it has those three dots, and then you can save it. Now, mind you, it, 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 it depending on what chat you've been in, you know, and so when you right. go to breakout rooms, you can, and I get it automatically. I get the, I get a copy of it. But I, as I said, I don't necessarily, you know, share that with everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. but but that's one way to get it. So at the end, before we leave, I, I thank you for that. You know, yes. um, Marie, I can tell people yes, to save Marie. the chat if you want to, and that's how you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Well, you know, I, I'm going to continue this. Aubrey. I think I'm going to be doing continue on the once a month rotation just because of all kinds of other issues that are other projects that are going on. What are some other things we we got? You know, let's I don't know. Let's continue the cafe, if you will, in the big session, if we will. What are some other things that are on people's minds? We had an interesting conversation in our breakout session, and I own this because I live alone, I work alone. Um, it is extremely isolating, and so I would just really encourage you. I feel like you know Bob Barker. Keep your pets <laughs> nude and spader. You know. <laughs> is <laughs> my little pitch please be sure you are reaching out to people who are on their own mm -hmm. and i would just be curious what are some other survival tips you have for being on your own anyone jump up and say you know i've got my cat who's somewhere sleeping right now but other thoughts questions karen well not a question but a comment um so i've been um virtually doing open mics i used to go to some of them you know like on saturday night i'd go down to weymouth 
to the Catbird Cafe um, now that it's pandemic. It's on, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Zoom. So um, it's great. And there are some that I would never have gone to because there's no way, like on a Thursday night, I would drive from Norwood to Hull, you know? <laughs> it's just, I just wouldn't do it. But I can go to them now virtually. So it's been a great thing. So this is open mic for comedy? No, it's open mic for music, usually. Although some people, um, once in a while, you get someone read poetry that they've written, but it's a variety. Some are, um, you know, original music. Some of it are covers. It's, it How are you finding them? Um, you, can know, but you can look at various um, folk. Like if you Google, you know, um, folk, or, or um, I would say, you know, open mics in the Boston area or wherever. And, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to look that up because I mean, I've, I've been, I've been trolling meetup, which sometimes get, is more effective than others, but you know, meetup isn't a bad place to, you know, learn a little bit about that. But I like the idea of the open mic for music and just the, yeah. it's the conversation. I think it's the, you know, as Brian was saying, you know, it's the conversation before an event and after event that sometimes is what you're, you're kind of missing and you're longing for. Oh,